Welcome back, everybody, to the 10th episode of Ridiculous Entertainment. My name is Tim, your host. Thank you if you've listened to our 10 episodes so far. I feel very uh, pleased with the progress we're making. I'm learning a lot. We're improving every episode. I feel like they are getting better. The first one was probably my favorite one, uh, but technically it was it was flawed and stuff. So we are getting a little bit better on this end. Thank you for sticking with us. We have some housekeeping to take care of up top. Uh, once again, our top listener on SoundCloud is Bardia Donna. Bardia Donna. Dana. Those are possibly the pronunciations. I have to apologize. If you couldn't tell in the C episode, I have a cold. That being said, we're going to power through this. Again, our top listener is Bardia Dana on SoundCloud. So thanks a lot, Bardia. I uh, greatly appreciate it. Our top city, it's a new city, uh, Hyattsville, Maryland. Hy- Hyattsville, Maryland is taking the crown. Uh, so thanks a lot. Uh, we've got a couple other things going on. We've got some new platforms we've opened up this week. We've got uh, Apple, of course. Uh, that's probably where the bulk of people who aren't on SoundCloud are listening. Uh, we've got Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Anchor, and SoundCloud. So if you, prob- probably the best one is Apple. You know, if you want to get in, uh, get on Apple. Uh, if you're a SoundCloud listener, we're about to hit our, our maximum downloadable time, and I'm not going to pay for it. So I'm going to wind up taking tracks off the back. So if there's a track that you missed, ditch SoundCloud and go to a different platform. There are several others. Also, I did just get uh, a Twitter handle for this podcast. I had been using my personal uh, never again. Uh, the handle is at RidicPod, R-I-D-I-C-P-O-D. And we're going to do a little bit of a promotional contest sort of thing. So uh, going forward, every other week, there will be there will be bonus content that will either be for sale. Maybe someday we'll be doing Patreon, but that's not it for right now. Right now, it'll just be for sale. Uh, but if you are the 50th person to follow me on Twitter at RidicPod, you will get free bonus content for the life of this show. So basically, as long as this show goes, every other week, you will get a bonus episode. So if you enjoy what you get on the regular for free, uh, there's going to be one more every other week. So there you go. Well, let's get into the show. We are doing season one, episode five of Watchmen titled Little Fear of Lightning. Basically, this episode is Looking Glass's episode. It is all about him, baby. He's the man. And that's cool. I hope that they don't kill him. We'll get into those possibilities here in a little bit. Now, we start out at a fair in Hoboken, New Jersey, 1985. It's the day of the squid attack. And Looking Glass is uh, just simply Wade then. And he's part of a mission. And by that, I mean, of course, he's a part of a group of good God-fearing folks who are trying to spread the word to heathens. And so Wade leaves his little group and tries to find some heathens. And guess what? He lucks into a few. He lucks into some right away. Some dickhead just takes his flyers, chucks them all over the place. Quite rude. And then he, he thinks, I've just had the day saved uh, by this beautiful woman. A beautiful woman who seems very interested in. A beautiful woman who is wearing a cross dangling from her ear. She takes him by the hand and they go into the fun house. Uh, you know, it, it's the place that pretty much in every carnival in a TV show or movie. Uh, it's got tons of mirrors in it, basically. And she takes him in there. She wants a little bit of alone time. She starts to strip him down and he likes it. He likes the attention he's getting even though he's a God-fearing Christian. It doesn't quite seem right to him uh, but but he likes it. You baby. Like a dirty seductress, she takes his clothes calls him names and then runs away. What a bitch. What a bitch just be stealing your shit first off, leaving you naked in the middle of a fair and then just running off with your dignity. You're a young man probably 15, 16 maximum 25. It's hard to tell TV ages are different than real people's ages. She leaves. He looks into the mirror the many mirrors that surround him in this in this fun house. And he gets a little down on himself. Calls himself names. Says, you idiot heathen. 
you deserve this, you fucking stupid ass sinner, what the shit. Some of those words I just interjected, that being said, most of them are the case. Most of them are verbatim. Well, he's in there for a couple minutes after she's left, and basically the glass, while he's in there, the glass shatters around him because the squid has just been uh, transported through a portal into their dimension. After he's recuperated mildly, he gets up, he looks around, and he decides to go outside. He's alright, he's okay, he decides to go outside. And the first person he sees, basically, is the evil seductress on the ground, and she's dead. Now, I'm not gonna say that the punishment fit the crime, it's a little severe, but if she had stayed in the happy house, and they had had a happy good time, she'd be alive. Her decisions ultimately wound up in her demise. Now, while we're at the fair, uh, just just a couple of things that I noticed, there are multiple panda references. There's also a character in the show called Panda. I wonder if Mr. Lindelof, our writer of this show, has a panda fetish. Is he a furry? Does he like to get down and freaky with the cool beast from the east? Also, I I mean, there are probably thousands of dead bodies around the carnival. You can see an odd one or two walking around. They've survived, but the vast majority of these people are dead. So at the very least, if the carnival owner wasn't one of them, he's now out of business because nobody's going to that fucking carnival ever again. He has some of the least valuable real estate in the world because at least New York City, if it ever recovers, will be New York City. This is in Hoboken, New Jersey. Nobody gives two shits about New Jersey. And now there's corpses everywhere. Good luck, bro. Now we kind of pan out and we see a squid. The squid. The infamous giant fucking squid. So it does confirm that this is a direct follow-up of the comic book. We hadn't gotten that. To my knowledge, we hadn't gotten a confirmation. Yes, this is a direct follow-up, but it is just that. We come back to the present day and we, we find out what Looking Glass's cover story is. And essentially, he's a guy who works on marketing campaigns and test groups. And he gives companies an analysis of if their product will succeed. And, and one of them is a real estate company has bought up a shitload of real estate in New York and is trying to get people to come back because New York is apparently vacant. And by God, if New York isn't at the cheapest real estate level since, I don't know, the British came over. He basically tells the real estate company that they're fucked. He leaves and he goes to uh, change into his looking glass uniform. His looking glass attire in the, in the Ford Bronco he drives, I think it's a Ford Bronco, it's all stashed in a storage unit. Well, every storage unit that I've ever rented has security cameras. It's got, usually there's at least a couple people in there. There's always a passcode entry. So this is going to be very easy if you're the cavalry to figure out who looking glasses. Once again, it's just not very well thought out. Now he gets in the get up, he goes to the police station and Special Agent Blake is giving the rundown on how they're going to capture the cavalry. And it is based on the video footage and the and the photographs that they continually send to the police. Uh, there is a church in the photographs. A church. So basically, they're going to go through every church in Oklahoma one by one and once they find the identical church, that's going to be how they know where the cavalry is. Now, that's fine. That's a fair idea. A lot of man hours, a lot of work. She just wants to get out of that hell. But it's a, it's a good plan. But the picture on the screen behind them is of the Rorschach group, the cavalry. And all I can think of is that they're all just standing there posing. And why are they doing that? You know, usually when we see them, there's just one group leader giving the message. And my initial thought is, well, maybe, maybe even terrorists need to send out Christmas cards. I mean, terrorists have families. They want to know, they want to tell their families that they love them. Maybe even terrorists have Christmas cards. After the big group meeting, we go back to the office where all the cops have their desks and we see Big Red dipshit again. The Russian guy who's got the stupid red ski mask. I don't care what his name is. Big Red asshole. Whatever. He's a dumbass. He gets a little hungry and he's making a sandwich and he's run a little short on a ingredients. I, I guess maybe he's broke. He can't be broke. His ski mask could be bought at any sporting goods store in America. So he can't be broke. He's not spending his money. That being said, he decides to steal lettuce from evidence to put on his sandwich because he doesn't have enough fiber in his diet, I guess. Seems like the Big Red idiot just doesn't give a shit. Blake calls Looking Glass into the office. She's so rude to him. She's never courteous to him at all. 
You know, all he's ever done is wanted to go to work, do his job, catch bad guys, and go home. She doesn't even have the decency to call him looking glass. She calls him mirror guy. She doesn't respect their safety, their want for safety. Even after the white knight, she basically makes him take off his mask. There's a reason the rules are in place. Regulations say that he has to have the mask on at all times in the police department, and she makes him violate those rules. Now, it seems like she's a little bit power hungry. I mean, she used to do the same thing he does. She used to dress up and be a superhero. She's just a little bit of a hypocrite, I guess. Now, in this episode, we usually uh, we usually count the dicks and stuff in Watchmen because there is usually a few dicks. We get close twice in this episode. We get, we get close several times. Uh, the first time, obviously, is in the mirror room. We see Little Wade's ass. Uh, no, Little Wade dick. Little Wade sounds like a rapper. It's very close to, to Little Wayne, and he also always talks about his dick, so that's fair game. The second time we almost see a penis is in a sex scene depicted on American Hero Story, the very popular television show in this universe, and it, the show depicts the Minutemen. If you are unfamiliar with that, it depicts the Minutemen from the 1940s. And in this show, there is a sex scene between Hooded Justice and a superhero I suspect to be Dollar Bill. It is a really weird sex act going on between them. Not because it's gay. You know, people can do whatever they want. Love who you love. Be who you be. That's all good. What's weird about it is, if I'm correct, then they've got this the race of Hooded Justice wrong. And also, if I'm correct, Hooded Justice really isn't even human. So this doesn't seem like something that would actually transpire. I think it's more just, this is a TV show made for entertainment and not facts. It's not a documentary. It is a soap opera. So that being said, the non-human that I, I think that he is, uh, like to get his dick wet. So it, it could be. It could be based in reality. Maybe he liked a fuck dollar bill. That's fine. But it just, I, I don't think that that actually happened. Because if I haven't been clear, I kind of, there's a line later on in the show where people are back and forth thinking that Dr. Manhattan is hooded just. And that Dr. Manhattan can't travel back in time. He can be anywhere at all times, in all places. He is God. So I don't think you should put limits on God. He very well could be this person that we all, sus- or that I suspect. I suspect that Dr. Manhattan, one of his many forms, is hooded justice. But if that's true, that brings us on a long line of questions because then Sister Knight becomes a descendant of God. So maybe not. Maybe that's wrong. It was just a cool idea that was spitballed between the big red idiot and some other guys. So, so it could be wrong. I, it's pro- It's definitely wrong. Uh, but it, it was very interesting because this is a universe where it's just normal people and then there's a God. So for there to be a, another person with superhuman abilities doesn't seem rational. But then because all the other weird things are basically science in this fictional world, they're basically explained by science. So cloning, teleportation, all scientific things in a science fiction universe. So I, I have been taking a big interest in the squids. This episode does focus on the squids a little bit. Uh, there is a business profiting off of squids. It's not what I thought. You know, I thought that there would be a market for squid cleaning up like a, like a street sweeper business. Uh, but but there's I haven't seen evidence of that so far. What we do see evidence of is there's an alarm system. A company has created an alarm system that tracks interdimensional activity. If, if the sensors detect interdimensional activity and alarm sounds, which you then go to the safest place in your house where you have the button and you hit the button and it turns the alarm off. You lock the door and you stay inside. Looking Glass has a bomb shelter. Good for him. But like I said, there's a lot of super advanced technology in this. Basically, there is highly advanced cloning. Uh, cloning has gotten so far along, even in mainstream. So, so you have cloning with Ozymandias, all the Ozymandias stuff, which you can expect in, in Ozymandiasville because A, he's the most intelligent human on Earth, or we are so led to believe, and B, he is likely being held by a god. So, but the science on Earth has gone pretty far for just normal humans uh, because cloning, which is an advanced technology in itself, has gotten so pedestrian that it's been passed down to animals. You can have your pet cloned and have the same pet for the rest of your life. Which if you have a really good dog that you put time into and you love and 
and stuff. That's cool. I don't want that. But someone does. That being said, if you fuck it up, they just kill the dog. So so Looking Glass goes to the dog cloning place because that's where his wife works. And she's like, hey, I just cloned this dog. Does it look like the other dog? Is it exactly the same? And he's like, eh, it's a little bit smaller. So she murders it. She puts it in a dishwasher-like thing and it just murders the dog. There was another option. There probably was another option besides dog murder. Uh, but she went straight for that. Don't let PETA get a hold of that footage or else they're going to fucking be boycotting your establishment till the end of fucking time. So while they're there, while he's there, he's having a conversation with his ex-wife. He inquires to her about the pills that Angela found. And basically she says that they're nostalgia. They're nostalgia pills. You can ingest the pills and they, they bring back memories. They give you the memories. It, it is suggested that you're only supposed to take your own memories. So it's for, it's like a cure for Alzheimer's. It sounds like that was the original plan behind it. The original model. But then it's been spread for nefarious reasons. So after he gets the pills back, after he leaves and he goes to, basically it's like AA, but for people who are involved in the squids, who are heavily involved with the squids. Uh, I'm going to call it Inkers Anonymous. Not disrespectful. It just has to have a name that kind of sounds good, you know? So Inkers Anonymous. He meets a girl at Inkers Anonymous. She's cute. She's kind of a little left to center. She's cute though. She drives a real piece of shit car. Like there's a lot of shitty cars in this uh, neck of the woods. It's a poorer area and it's in the past a little bit, but man, is that a piece of shit car. The worst car. The ugliest car. But I guess it might be a burner car. It might be one that she's just going to take to the landfill and have old Billy Bob Crunch. So, you know, they're talking outside the, the Inkers Anonymous. They're hitting it off and she's like, hey, follow me. I know where to go. We're going to have a good time. It's going to be A-okay. So they go to the, this bar. They go to a bar. They're having a fun time. They're talking, talking, talking. The, the beers get about halfway full or empty depending on your demeanor. And she goes to refill them. There's plenty of beer in the pitcher. She goes to refill them. Well, she failed. She failed epically. If you go to refill a beer, then why are you half-assing it? You should be filling that shit to the brim so you don't have to do it three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. She adds a splash of beer to both cups. They are they are essentially at the same level as they were before she fucked with Regardless, they're starting to hit it off. Though, she says a line about fucking. It makes her think she's a little bit too drunk. So she decides she she needs to leave. It's time to go. Calls a friend for a ride outside smoking a cigarette. Apparently, cigarettes are contraband in this universe. Seems, I mean, it's fine, right? Even a smoker would probably say that their life would be better without smoking. So that's fine. What's the penalty for having a pack of cigarettes? Are you going to jail? Are they going to come to Nixonville and beat the living piss out of you? I bet there's a lot of cigarettes in Nixonville. Not saying, just saying. They make out a little bit. It's a nice little make out. She's like, I'll see you. I'll see you and whatever on Tuesday. Go to the, the Inkers Anonymous meeting on Tuesday. He's like, cool. Cool, I'll see you then. She gets in the truck. Her friend pulls up. She gets in the truck, peels out, and something falls out the back. And for some reason, it's it's not close to him. It's I mean, it's a good like 20 yards away uh, from Wade. Wade decides to get his giddy up on, sprint over there and check it out. And guess what it is? It's a fucking head of lettuce. A fucking head of lettuce. Now, remember that the guy who shot the cop in the first episode, the very first scene, fired a million bullets to the windshield and then chucked a head of lettuce at him like a real dick. Now, this inspires Looking Glass to radio in and then pursue. That's a lot. That's a leap. You are in farming country, man. You are in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you have just made this big leap to chase someone down over a head of lettuce. Are you going after them for littering? Is that what you suspect? Because just to assume that anybody with lettuce in the back of their pickup truck is 7th Cav, bit much. It's a bit much. And also, if it's littering, it's lettuce. It, it will decompose eventually. He radios in. They say, we're sending units, and he pursues. He pursues like a good cop would, uh, but I feel like he even, he over-pursues a little bit. He just really wants to know the truth. He also, I I feel like he's had this hero complex since the beginning, but he, he really wants to know the truth. So he over-pursues. He, he's got a six-shooter. There's at least 10 people there, and he points a gun at him at the Rorschach gang. He finds him. He finds him, points a gun at him. And Chick, who, who he's been macking on, Bondie McBlonderson's like, hey, we lured you here. We lured you to this room. They have like a, a portal machine for trans-dimensional jumping so they can suck things from one place to another without the weight and awfulness of travel. Now, they lured him there to show him 
to show him the truth so he can resume the actions of another. Well, he is hesitant, obviously. So he has to be dragged to a room, sat in a chair where he finds a familiar face. In the room, the senator. The senator, bombs dropping everywhere. Boom, boom, boom. The senator. Crazy. Yeah, the senator is directly involved with the seventh cap. And it's an interesting twist. I don't think it tracks because he sent his most diligent agent to investigate. One of the best FBI agents in the world to investigate. He's got a hard on for bad guys. He's got a hard on for vigilantes too. And I think that his goal with that was to create an out to stop Angela if that needed to be done. But also she very easily could have just found him. She could have discovered his secret instead of stopping the person who was most likely to discover the secret. Basically, Senator starts spouting bullshit about how he and Don Johnson were fighting the same war, but on different sides to meet a, a similar goal. That they were working together to stop a war. Which doesn't make sense because essentially, if I'm tracking this correctly, the 7th Cab didn't exist. And then he showed up in Tulsa, brought the 7th Cab back, started a war, and then it seems like he's going to use the portal device to create another disaster to bring everyone together to stop the war that he's created. Doesn't I don't think it tracks. It's a little odd, but it was interesting. It was cool. Anyway, Senator, the big reveal, leaves the room. Presses play on the VHS. Who's on the VHS playing on 31 screens but Ozymandias? Ozymandias is telling the world what's going on. Basically, he comes in and he rocks the world of one way, one looking glass, because he says the squid was a giant hoax. That it wasn't an attack from an interstellar being. He he staged it and has continued to stage it in the years following with minor squid anomalies. I think that's basically what he means is that by a hoax, he's not claiming it was false. It was an illusion. He's claiming that he did it to try and bring people together through an act of terror to stop World War III, which is a terrible plan, but he succeeded in ending the destruction of the planet in this universe. So another bomb has been dropped on looking glass in this world. Oh, one thing. The senator also said, I need you to put Angela to heal. I need you to make her stop investigating. He says, if you don't get her to stop, I'm going to have her killed and her family killed. So looking glass is in another bind. So many binds, so many bombs dropped. It's crazy, crazy. Now we go to an, an equally complicated realm where we join Ozymandias. And it appears that Ozymandias is done with what might have looked like tests of his suit. And he's ready to get on the catapult himself. He's developed these lines of for oxygen that are crazy long and will help him survive extended periods wherever he's going. Outer space. He's going to outer space. He's tossed through what is one of several things. It could be a mirage. It could be a portal to another place. For example, he could really be on Mars and there could be like a bubble in which he lives that appears to be like some kind of utopia. Or he could be on a farm in Oklahoma and being launched through the sky transports you to the moon, which allows you to track a satellite. They can send rockets up and save you. Crazy complicated. Okay. He gets on the moon. What does he see? So many corpses. There are so many corpses everywhere. And why are there corpses? Because he's been launching clones onto the fucking moon for years, it seems. And what does he do? Well, he starts breaking them into bits and makes letters out of them. He makes letters out of them so that he can write a message. So, like I said, so a, uh, a satellite can see him and they can save him. Good plan, except for the game warden finds him out and reels him back in, pulls him back through whatever the shimmer is, pulls him back to the shimmer and back down to the green utopia. I don't know who had bets on what as far as who the game warden was. Some people thought Dr. Manhattan. Some people thought a split personality of Ozymandias. I don't think too many people had the clones. That being said, if, Do if Dr. Manhattan is manufacturing the clones, then, I mean, they would be an extension of Manhattan. So that's, I guess, closer than I thought initially. But it's a clone. He's dressed up like the Lone Ranger. It's a clone. And Ozymandias is yelling at them, screaming at them, and he says their god is has abandoned them. He has abandoned them. So their god is a man or a man-like creature. So Manhattan's still in play. It doesn't necessarily rule out Lady True. She could be using a front man. She could have a disguise on. Any number of things. So we leave Ozymandias and we go back down to Earth. And Looking Glass put 
puts on his mask. He's going to work and it's the walk of betrayal. He walks into the office. It's a phone call from Sister Knight and says, come here, let's talk. Not really, but that's the gist. He, he gives her the pills, tells her what they are, and he asks for specifics on what's going on. And guess what she does? She trusts him as a friend. Maybe. Maybe they're as close to friends as each other has anymore. She divulges everything and what happens. Agent Blake comes screaming out of that office with a gun up. She says, put your fucking hands up or I'm going to put you down. And Knight is basically taken aback. She is just kind of miserable about the fact that maybe her only friend left has betrayed her. She doesn't know that he did it to save her, but if she did, that might not help. That might not help her feelings towards him. She she eventually gets taken into custody, but before that happens, she takes the pill bottles and downs them so that she can have the memories. They can't be taken away from her. And plus, it'll probably give her something to do while she's in jail. Now, Knight is taken into custody. She's put in jail and Looking Glass goes home. He's depressed. He goes home. His world has been rocked today. His new interdimensional squid detector has shown up at the door. And what does he do? He puts it in the trash. Throws his hat on the ground. He puts the squid detector in the trash. And then he comes back and takes it out. And you know what? It might not be the fact that he's still unsure. He, he's not fully in line with what Seventh says is the truth. Might just be the fact that it was really fucking expensive. But my guess is that he believes what Ozymandias has said years before. And the last thing we see is a shitty old SUV pull up outside of Looking Glass's house and the Seventh Cab has come for him. He's done the deed that they needed and now they've come to take him out. Now, that could be wrong. They don't show anything. They don't show them even going in. Uh, they show them going to the house. So several things could happen. Looking Glass could mow them all down. Looking Glass could get killed or they could just be coming to take him back. Any number of things. That, that was the end of the episode. Basically, this has been a really fucking mind fuck of an episode. Uh, absolutely insane. Usually I make a lot of jokes. We have a good time. There was too much mind fuckiness for it to be silly. So I, I'm curious to hear thoughts about what people think, what people's theories are. I'm not going to read any. That's no fun. You know, I, I think last time I said that he was on Mars still, Ozymandias, that he was being held by Manhattan on Mars. Now I'm leaning a little bit more towards Lady True. That being said, maybe, no. Set in stone, Manhattan's got him. They're on the moon. But Lady True also might have him on Earth. It's a lot. It's a lot. Because, oh my God, it's so much. It's so crazy. Well, what do you guys think? Do you, where do you think he's at? We're still, I'm, I'm still asking the same questions. What do you expect him next week? It's basically going to be her going back in time and reliving her grandfather's memories. Uh, what do you expect out of Hooded Justice? Is Hooded Justice going to be Dr. Manhattan? Is he just another entity? Another human that's been given powers? Which is a rarity in this universe? And what do you think of the Seventh Cavs' plans and, and, and Don Johnson according to them? I mean, basically what they think is that they're solving some kind of race war or is is what I, I, I mean, that's what the senator thinks. I mean, that, that's kind of what it seems like to me that there's a lot of racism themes in the show and they're doing something terrible to solve a deeper issue and, and maybe it's a race war issue. Maybe that's the one they're trying to solve. So what do you think? I'm, I'm definitely wrong. Uh, so you can call me an idiot, do whatever you want. But uh, yeah, I, I'm really baffled right now. So yeah, so get at me. Uh, please uh, comment if there's commenting in your platform or you can Twitter at me. Uh, I'm at, at RidicPod, R-I-D-I-C-P-O-D. So hit me up. Also, if you wouldn't mind uh, liking, subscribing, hitting review, hitting the bell icon, sharing, you know, whatever is applicable to the platform and what you use. And tell a friend, you know, uh, this is just the 10th episode. You know, your friend could be getting on the ground floor of something fun. So it's the 10th episode. Tell a friend. Maybe we'll do 10 more. By the way, we're definitely doing 10 more because I'm having fun. So maybe next time I won't be sick, even though the next one's going to be tomorrow. The next episode will be on his dark materials. Those are my favorite. They're the ones that also get the best results from you guys, uh, but they're my favorites to do because uh, they're really easy to make fun of. Not because they're bad, but because the universe is so weird. So it's a good time. So yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this. And uh, as always, this has been Ridiculous Entertainment.